Crucifixion is a form of execution that was devised first by the barbaric Assyrians who would tie people to a tree and then torture and kill them. The Romans took that form of execution and they expanded it, they adapted it using a wooden cross. The word crucify means to drive with stakes, to drive with stakes. For over 500 years, the Romans perfected this form of torturous death, making it the most painful, the most shameful, the most physically and emotionally damaging form of execution ever conceived by human mind. The word excruciating actually translates out of the cross. The final product was deemed so vicious that a Roman citizen could not be crucified no matter the crime. It was reserved for slaves, for foreigners, for those that rebelled against the government, and even then only for the worst of offenders. The procedure by the time of Christ, by the first century, included the accused being stripped naked, scourged, whipped over their entire backside, their back, their buttocks, and their upper legs, forced to carry the crossbar to the side of the crucifixion, and then being nailed to the crossbeam and the post. The cause of death could be respiratory failure, could be cardiac failure, some would have a heart attack, could be loss of blood, bleeding to death, dehydration, or other organ system failures. Here's the question. How did Jesus end up on a Roman cross? How did Jesus end up on a Roman cross? No crime ever committed, no violence ever perpetrated, considered by many a rabbi, a teacher of the word of God, a man who healed many, a man whose reputation as a healer drew large crowds, a man who exhibited peaceful justice perfectly and is dealing with all people, a man who lived in humility. How does Jesus, the Prince of Peace, end up on a Roman cross? a death that the most vile of criminal offenders would be secured for. How does Jesus end up on a Roman cross? Today our message is entitled, Death by Crucifixion. Death by Crucifixion. Tonight we'll be in John chapter 18, verses 28 through 32. John chapter 18, verses 28 through 32. Death by Crucifixion. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me, in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word, John chapter 18, beginning in verse 28. God's word says this. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early. And they themselves did not enter into the praetorium, so they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Therefore, Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, 
We are not permitted to put anyone to death to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for this night. We're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for a chance together and to be encouraged in the fellowship of the saints as you've intended. We're thankful for the opportunity to come and to sing your praises together as you've intended. And we're thankful now to come and to hear your perfect word, your holy word, also as you have intended. Lord, I pray that tonight it would bear its impact, that it would bear fruit in our lives. I pray that we would be changed, that we would be taught tonight. I pray, Lord, again, that you'd be known and glorified through it. I pray if there's one and maybe many here and in other places listening that do not know you, I pray in the hearing of the good news of our gospel, the, the truth of a risen Savior, that this very night might be the night of their salvation. Lord, we again come and we praise you, we worship you, we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight, we're going to continue our movement through the events of Jesus' arrest, his trials, and then his crucifixion. It really is astounding all that is going on, all that is involved at one time. As these events play out, many things, many facets we're seeing. Each detail we see tonight is important, and each detail seems to be interlocked with some other detail. It is interesting that what we are moving slowly through actually takes place at a rapid fashion. From the upper room meal to the garden to the arrest to the six-part trial to the punishment phase only covers the hours of one evening, one overnight session. It is sudden, it is fast, it is quick, and it is abrupt. As fast as it starts, it really is over. Well, tonight, where we begin, Jesus has finished three Jewish examinations or trials. We get that from the collective testimony of the Gospels. Now, the first one was brought, he was brought to the high priest, the former high priest, Annas, and he stood before him. Then he was brought before the acting high priest, Caiaphas, and he stood before him. And then he was brought before the entire Jewish council, the Sanhedrin, and he stood before them. Now understand, in all three of these events, the rules have been set aside. The verdict was presupposed and justice was not the issue. In all of these cases, the determined end was Jesus is going to die. Be sure of that tonight. Before his arrest, that was the goal. After his arrest, that was the mission. They are determined in these events, all of them, Jesus is going to die. All through this night, Jesus has been beaten. He has been hit. He's been struck. At this point, finishing the third trial, he is now bleeding, he is injured, he is beaten. And that's where we go to our verses tonight. Let's pick back up in verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas 
into the praetorium, and it was early. And they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Now, verse 28, it records a strange event. First, the Jewish court, now think about this, is made up of priests, of religious experts, of teachers of the word of God, those who are supposed to follow God, and now they turn Jesus over to a Roman court. The Jews turn Jesus, their Messiah, actually their king, their only hope, the one that all of the scrolls foretold of, the one that the prophets had prophesied of, the the one that was their Christ, the Messiah, they turned over to a Gentile court. Now think about that. That's staggering. That that is amazing. That is mind-blowing. The one that you've been looking for, the one that God has promised, you hold and you turn over to a Gentile court. The praetorium, it was a house, a courtroom of Pilate. It is where he stayed, where he worked out of while he was in Jerusalem. So they take him to the praetorium. The verse says it was early. Most likely it is right before 6 o'clock in the morning, right before sunup, right at daybreak. The Jews had worked all night securing their plan, establishing their charges, and now delivering Jesus to Pilate. If they did not have a judgment by noon, if they did not have the death penalty secured by noon, because it was this celebration, the Passover, they would have to wait seven days until the festival was over. They had worked feverishly to get to this point. Now, I want to point out something right here. Where the disciples of Christ could not pray even for one hour. Remember that in the garden? Where the disciples of Christ could not pray even for one hour, the disciples of Satan had worked all night. Isn't that normal? Why are we so reluctant to move when evil never sleeps, when evil never stops? Why are we so lethargic on a good mission while the workers of evil never sleep? Friends, we must be urgent. We must be urgent. Verse 28 reports the Jewish leaders, those delivering Jesus to the Romans, did not enter the praetorium. The Bible says, so they would not be defiled. Now see this. Uh, in a list of absurdities that are going on, uh, this one may take the cake. A Jew was forbidden from entering a Gentile building or a Gentile home. If they did enter that Gentile building or home, they were considered unclean. If they did it on this day, they would miss the Passover celebration. And so see the absurdity of this. See this. These people that had paid a bribe against the law, these people that had made a false arrest against the law, that had had a false trial, in fact, three of them, against many laws, who had hit a man without cause against the law, who had planned and were planning a murder against the law, who were partnering with the Gentiles against the law, they've now decided they do not want to break the law. They want to keep the law. They have delivered Jesus. They have delivered the lamb to a Gentile court. 
Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, it says, The Messiah was like a lamb led to slaughter. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 8, it says, By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Do not miss the end of the verse. It says, But that they might eat the Passover. Let me tell you tonight, there may be no bigger farce, there may be no bigger sham than people pretending to practice religion. People that are keeping rules, people that are keeping traditions and practicing things to be seen. As they carry this out, they do not want to miss the religious festival. Verse 29. Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Because they will not come in. Pilate goes out to them. He goes to the courtyard to meet them. Now, now see this. Pilate was the Roman governor. He ruled over this province, which included the southern half of Palestine. He was under Caesar. He represented Caesar. He served Caesar, the emperor. He answered directly to another governor, the governor of Syria. Pilate held, the historians tell us, his position for 10 years. His rules, we read about it, was totally self-focused. It was totally self-serving. His dealings with people centered around him prospering. His dealings with people centered around him keeping his position. The people meant nothing to him. Justice meant nothing to him. He served, and it was all about him. Sounds somewhat like today. Pilate goes out, and he asks in the courtyard, what accusation do you bring against this man? Now, I want you to see this. This is pretty interesting. This was a shock to the Jews. He comes out and he says, what accusation do you make against this man? Really, it was an insult to the Jews. You see, they had been talking. The Jews had been talking with the Romans. He knew what they were doing. He knew why they were doing it. He's the one that okayed the Roman cohort. They want to come here on this morning, and they want him to quickly issue a death warrant, and they want to be done. They'd worked that out. They were talking it out. He knew what they were doing. But instead, when they show up, he says, what is the charge? Now, understand the Jewish charge was that he claimed to be God. But they had no Roman charge. They didn't think they were going to need a Roman charge. Pilate didn't care about them. He didn't care about their God. He didn't care about anybody claiming to be their God. So he says, so what is the charge? They weren't expecting this. They weren't expecting a real Roman trial, All right? Verse 30. They answered and said to him, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. They answered and said to him, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. Now see this, they have no charge. All they can come up with, they say, he is an evildoer. It translates, it means one who does acts of evil. It means he is a criminal. And so they say, he says, what is the charge? And they says, they say he does evil acts. What is the charge? He is a criminal. 
Well, what is the crime? They have no crime. There is no charge. Understand this tonight. There is no charge. Jesus has made it to the Roman court, and there is no charge. He's an evildoer. That's all they can say. Again, the Jews didn't think they would need one. They thought that he would just sentence him. Verse 30 again. They answered and said to them, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. Verse 31. So Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. Listen to verse 31 again. So Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. Pilate says here in verse 31, take him yourselves. You want to charge him? Charge him. You want to have a trial? Have a trial. He's broken your law, so you deal with it. It's really all about this next statement. The Jews say, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. We are not permitted. We are not allowed to put anyone to death. Now, stay with me right here. The Jewish law allowed the death penalty. In fact, we know the Jewish law in many places calls for the death penalty. Their way of executing was through stoning. You can go back and you can read the Old Testament law and it will say, here is this offense and it's punishable by stoning. Here is this offense and it's punishable by stoning. The Jewish law allowed for the death penalty, even called for the death penalty by stoning. But the Romans would not let them carry it out. They had to go through the Romans to get somebody executed. Well, see here, Pilate wants them to say it. Pilate wants them to admit it. You rule over us. You dictate to us. We are under your charge. We're not permitted to do what our law even says we can do. We're not permitted to do what we want to do. Those are bitter words for them. Pilate wants it to admit them. He wants them to see it. They are under his rule. They have to submit to Roman rule. They have to submit to this selfish pagan leader. And therefore, they have to use his form of execution. Verse 32. To fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Verse 31. So Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said, and we're not permitted to put anyone to death to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Understand in verse 32, because how, of how this is turned out, because of in whose territory they were in, because of who was in charge, it will be a Roman crucifixion by which Jesus will be executed. Remember in John chapter 3, also in John chapter 12, Jesus says that in his death, he will be lifted up and he ties it to the picture of, of Moses and the serpent that's lifted up. He says in his death, he will be lifted up, meaning that it would not be a stoning, that it would be a crucifixion. He says to signify what type of death he would die. Jesus said it would be a crucifixion. And now they're forced to submit to a Roman execution. It will be on a cross 
that Jesus dies. Paul later wrote, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. I want you to see this. A little over a thousand years. Can you imagine that? Think about that. A little over a thousand years before this day in Pilate's courtyard, a thousand years before this mock trial, before a pagan ruler, King David wrote a psalm. In our Bibles, it's Psalm 22. Just listen. I'm going to read it to you. Psalm 22, verses 6 through 16. But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag their heads saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver you. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust when upon my mother's breast. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Be not far from me for trouble is near. For there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me and ravening and roaring like a lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like parchment and my tongue cleaves to my jaws as you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. In that 16th verse, a dog was a term that the Jews used to refer to the Gentiles. And so a thousand years earlier, it was foretold that the Messiah, a Jew, would be killed, surrounded by Gentiles, that he would be impaled, that he would be lifted up, and that he would be nailed through in his hands and feet. 1,000 years before this event, it was foretold the Messiah would be crucified. And perfect to God's word, it is declared in verse 32, by what kind of death he was about to die. Jesus will go to the cross. Jesus will go to the cross. Tonight, we're going to stop there, but I want to tell you tonight, just as God's truth held true there, God's word always holds true. And friend, tonight, I want to tell you, God's word tells us with the same precision of a hope for sinners. It tells us with the same accuracy of our Savior Jesus, of salvation through this very event. And I'll just tell you the point to all of this is to tell us this. He made a way for us as sinners. He goes to the cross to buy our redemption. And the call of tonight is this. Trust him. Turn to him. He will save you. His word is true. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I'm thankful for your truth. I'm thankful for this, for this picture in your scripture, your word tonight. I'm thankful for the Savior that was led like a lamb. Bible says like a sheep before his shears go, not a word. 
comes and submits himself that we might be saved, comes and submits himself that we might be redeemed. Lord, I'm thankful for this truth that you knew that it would be high and lifted up, that we would see you. And there as we see your cross, we would know that you've prepared a place for us, that you've secured our redemption. Lord, I'm thankful for you, thankful for your love, thankful for your grace. And yes, Lord, I'm thankful for your cross. Lord, I pray as we've, as, as we've pictured this tonight, as we've looked at it tonight, I pray, Lord, for those that are without Christ tonight, that they would see the Savior of their redemption. They would see the Savior of their hope tonight. And I pray for us as believers tonight, as we see this as well, that we would understand your word is true and our word is true, Jesus. Lord, we would carry that, that message, that good news to a lost world. Lord, I'm thankful for this picture Thankful for your word. Thankful for our Savior, Jesus. I pray in this time of invitation, Lord, now that you would work, that you would move, that you would speak. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you, the, the good news of the gospel is this. We have a Savior tonight. We have hope tonight. God's word holds true, proves true tonight. The Bible says we're sinners, all of us that we're sinners. The Bible says in our sin, we've earned a punishment, death, separation from God for all eternity. Bible says that God sees us, and even while we were yet in our sin, he so loves us, so loves us. He sends his only begotten son. He comes, he carries my sin, your sin, our shame to the cross of Calvary. There he pays for it. There he settles it. Bible says it is finished on that cross. They take him off the cross. He is dead, having paid the price for your sin, my sin. Bible says they put him in a, in a grave. He's dead. Three days later, he walks out of the grave and he stands as the risen king, the lamb of God, having paid for sin. The Bible says if we'll trust him, no work of man, no thing we can do, not a thing, but if we'll trust him, if we'll receive him by faith, we shall be saved. That's the good news offered to you tonight. Listen, no sin is too great. No distance is too far. God's grace to you stands tonight. His love for you stands tonight in the person of Jesus Christ. If you'll call upon him this very night, he will save you this very night. Call upon Christ. Call upon Jesus tonight. He is our Savior. He is our hope. Maybe you've made that decision, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. I want to give you an opportunity as well to come and to say, you know what? I want that testimony to stand of what I believe of our Savior, Jesus. You come as well. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve for his glory. Maybe on this Saturday night, you want to come and pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you're going through something, and I, and I say it all the time, but it's, it's the biblical truth. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. He is kind and gracious to us. Maybe you want to come pray here with me or here at this altar. Maybe you want to pray for these next 15 days for this effort as we, as we, as we run it out to the end, that God will be known through it glorified through it. If we have a decision to make, I'm going to ask that you would come. As we stand to sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.